Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're invited to experience online healing retreats brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. These magical online gatherings give you valuable insights, exercises, and channeled information on the great shift of the ages. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Online Retreats or check out our retreat archive and download the recording. Life-changing online retreats by AcousticHealth.com Welcome to another healing conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we're going to be talking about the world's ancient sites and how it's all tied into Lemuria. My guest today is an author of many books on his research through his life on the world's ancient mysteries and megaliths on the planet. Brian Forster, thank you so much for being on Healing Conversations today. My pleasure. Thank you. When you grew up, you had your eye on your career as a marine biologist, and you spent time and worked over in Hawaii as well, and your fascination with the Native American Indians and the totem poles led you to even leave your marine biology field. But when you were in Hawaii, you became part of the canoe, the sailing canoe. Tell us about getting to Hawaii and to your research that you do today. Okay, well, um, yeah, basically I started carving when I was a, a child, and um, even though I did, um, you know, get a degree in marine biology, I didn't, I didn't feel a real passion for it. It was more of an intellectual thing, and the carving just continued with me, and so I just decided to... After working for a short period of time as a biologist, I just decided that I would try to, if I could become a professional carver, which I did for many years. My interest in Hawaii started when I was a child, um, and I went the first time when I was 12, and it just so happened that after, at about the age 35, I kind of felt that I'd learned enough about the native West Coast art and um, and belief systems, and so I was drawn to Hawaii, and I um, was welcomed by a man called Keola Sakara, who was a master canoe maker, and he, he wanted to build a 62-foot voyaging double-hull canoe to go to uh, Tahiti, so I just dropped everything in Canada and moved to Hawaii. I, I have a tendency to let my spirit guide me to do things, even though sometimes my family think I'm crazy for doing it, but that's, uh, that's the passion of my spirit. That's fascinating, because when you were doing that in Hawaii, I was over in Guam covering that as a reporter. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That is an amazing synchronicity. And now, through your research on the Pacific and sacred sites, including work that you are doing for the lost continent of Mu, Lemuria, which we'll talk about, you've also been featured on Ancient Aliens. Let's talk about Lemuria and how you and I, I mean, the synchronicity that you and I had we didn't meet, but I come to find out later after finding your videos on Peru and the ancient sites, and then seeing your name and finding your website and seeing your photo, I realized you sat in front of me on 11-10-11 last year as we were flying from Lima to Puno or Juliaca. That is fascinating wow. as well. And so being in the high altitude and, and going there and, and doing that travel from very little sleep the night before, I just heard the conversation that you had with Easter Island. You were knowledgeable on Peru, and it was just quite fascinating. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation today. That's great. So let's talk then about Lemuria, because we see that the pre-Inca sites in Peru are colonies from Lemuria. Is that what you've discovered? Well, the thing is, the concept of, um, of Lemuria is very... There are so many different ways of, of interpreting it, and mm -hmm. what I've been trying to do is, rather than simply doing what, what one would call a, um, a ch you know, like a, a channeling kind of thing, it's, I've been looking for actual physical evidence of it, um, which is difficult, but the important thing is that the elders in Hawaii taught me a lot of um, a lot of things which relate to it, including Angie Pua Lindsay, who was uh, who adopted me basically because I was involved in the canoe project. She um, she you know took me into her confidence, um, and one day she showed me these two stone objects, which uh, she used for healing purposes, and. Um, one was in the shape, basically, of an Easter Island head, and the other was the shape of a jaguar's head. And I, I noted that they were incredibly ancient, and so I asked her, I said, Andy Pua, these aren't from Hawaii, are they? And she said, no. And I said, are these from Mu? And she said, yes, they are. And she said it with a very straight face. So it hasn't been a, something I've been deeply, you know, chasing after. It's just through synchronicity, different places, uh, attract my attention, including uh, the Cook Islands, Tahiti, and now Peru, and they all seem to be interrelated in uh, in the fact that there was once a very high civilization um, in the Pacific. And so you are on your way now, in a few hours from now, to Easter Island. What's on your agenda for Easter Island? I don't really have an agenda. What I've done is I've done a fair bit of research. I do have some contacts there. So I'm I'm simply going there with the with the belief that the ancestors of the of the place and the elders if they choose to will show me certain things which um which um I'm allowed to write about. Let's go back to the elders in Hawaii and the stone objects that you saw. Did you just know to ask if they were from Mu? Does that mean that Hawaii was not part of Mu or they had come from a place that was now underwater? No, actually it seems that um, 
from speaking to Hawaiian elders, um, they believe that Hawaii is what is left of Mu, mm -hmm. and that um, 12,500 years ago, when the sea level was about 350 feet lower than it is today, that the islands of Maui, Molokai, Lanai, and Koho'olawe were all one island, and Oahu was much closer then because of the low sea level, and also the big island was, was lower. So they regard that whole mass of, of land that existed at that time as, as having been what we call Mu. It's not that the continent sank, it's that the ocean level rose, um, thus, you know, making a group of islands from what was once a very large island. You know, it's actually a logical way of looking at it because when people yeah. talk about a continent sinking, mm -hmm. geologists say that that's impossible. But when you talk about the fact that the ocean rose around the world, it would seem as though, or it was, it would look as though the continent sank. Mm-hmm. So then let's ask the question about the ice caps that were there then. Were we able to determine that the ice caps were there before 14,000 years ago? Based on, on geology, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. um, and geography was that, um, you know, the ice caps were there. There was an ice age, and then something very dramatic happened. It could very well have been either the impact of a comet or meteor or a comet coming so close to the Earth that it altered the axis and thereby shifted where the ice was in, in relation to the sun, causing a, a very rapid melting of the, of the ice caps and causing the ocean levels to rise. Now, we've seen that there is evidence scuba divers even off Kauai, have found steps and structures off the island. Have you heard that bit of information? No, but I find that I, I find that intriguing, and I don't find it surprising because um, you know if it's true what the elders of, of Hawaii say that. Um, when the ocean level was 350 feet lower, um, that you know all these islands were grouped together as one landmass. You know, being an ocean-going people, the majority, vast majority of them would have lived along the coastline, and so all of the structures would now be 350 feet or so underwater. And the U.S. from uh, when I was living in Hawaii, it seemed that the U.S. Navy was very uh, restrictive in terms of people being allowed to do deep diving, like uh, private submarines were not allowed to go down in certain areas. So <laughs> it sounds very very much as though governments and other, other groups are trying to restrict any kind of diving activity because they don't want us to know what's there. Interesting. There's also quite a bit of UFO reports and activity. Have you come across any of these yourself or through stories? Yeah, actually I have. The one, actually, it's, I just actually had a sighting about four nights ago, but the, the first personally. main sighting I ever... You personally? Oh, yeah. In, and you're in yeah. Cusco right now. You're in Peru. Yeah, I'm in Peru. I was actually on the deck of our apartment uh, in Paracas, which is just south of Lima, and um, it's about 10 o'clock at night, 
and I went out. I was out on the balcony, and I saw this cluster of twelve little lights all close together. And it's just one of those experiences where your brain starts racing, trying to figure out what it is. I called my wife, who was inside. She came out and looked at it. And you just get this gut feeling that you're looking at something which isn't normal. Um, so this cluster moved to the left and into the mist and then came back to the right and then shot basically straight up in the air. And the, um, the main, you know, one of the main reasons why I, I asked my wife to come out and, and look is because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't hallucinating. And she, you know, she saw them. Mm -hmm. um, and they weren't, bir you know, they weren't birds, helicopters, planes, etc. They were what they were. Um, and my first main sighting was actually on Maui when uh, I was driving up, up, you know, it's called up country, um, the Haleakala area, with my brother-in-law. And he was driving, and I was just looking uh, straight, and there was a disc that was at least 100 feet long in the distance of, by a few miles, and it didn't move. And I saw it for almost 10 minutes. And again, you know, again, my mind was, was going through all of the, the possible things that it could have been, but it couldn't fit this object into a box. Mm -hmm. So that was my intellect, you know, racing madly, trying to figure something out, whereas my spiritual side just said, you know, look at it and be, be comfortable. This is actually a normal situation. Mm -hmm. So those are my... Yeah, those are my two um, instances, but uh, UFO activity, both in Peru and uh, Hawaii, are very, very common. Thank you for listening to a portion of this healing conversation. For the full-length conversation and information on transcripts, CDs, and MP3 downloads, visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Radio Show. You're invited to this online healing retreat, which is a journey into the ancient mysteries of our world, including Lemuria, Atlantis, and other sacred sites. Ancient site researcher Brian Forster shares with us his images captured during the research of his many books. The locations that I frequent in Peru, especially around Cusco and around Lake Titicaca, there are definitely places there which we are amassing evidence for um, the fact, like not the idea, but the fact that high technology existed thousands of years ago and that the stone monuments are the remainder and reminder of an earlier people who were not just Lemurian, they were global in nature. Mm. Uh, major connections in terms of proof of um, ancient technology are in Egypt and Peru, Bolivia. Brian will share the story of the golden sun disk of Lemuria, which was taken with the Lemurian colonists to Peru. There was a temple inside the Coricancha, which was the sun temple, sheeted completely in gold, and that was the first building that the Spanish gutted of its gold and destroyed. They literally tore it down to the foundation. There's no sign of it left anymore. The other temples are still there, the, uh, the moon temple, temple of the rainbow, temple of lightning, but the Sun Temple was obliterated, but on the wall of that, there was a, a huge shield made out of either gold or another form of gold, and it was massive in size, 
The Spanish never actually got it because it was secreted away to Lake Titicaca and has been in hiding there ever since because it was supposedly a gift from the people of Lemuria or the, the one of the last remaining um, large ceremonial items that was able to be taken from there before that place was, you know, destroyed. I've heard a lot from a lot of different people in and around Cusco that this gi uh, giant sun disk did exist, and it still does. It's just, it's in safekeeping. Synchronicity then led him to study a most fascinating subject of the elongated skull people, the focus of one of his upcoming books. The first place I saw the skulls was in the little museum at the Cori Cancha, where the giant sun disk was supposed to have once been housed. And then I drew connections between the skulls there and those at Tiwanaku and Pumapunku in Bolivia. And my wife and I just happened to be traveling back from Chile about a year ago, and we stopped in this little seaside town called Paracas, and there was a museum, and in the museum there was one of these skulls again. I immediately became fascinated with that. The museum director said he had some more at home, and so I suggested that he bring them and put them in the museum, which he has done. And now I'm the assistant director of that museum, and we have 33 elongated skulls. I'm studying the ancient Paracas culture as well as medically through me medical uh, people the skulls themselves to see in what ways they're similar and in what ways they're different from both human beings of the same time period and present-day humans and it's getting incredibly intriguing what i'm looking at now is connecting the megalithic sites of peru and bolivia with the elongated skull people and uh, the more and more i look the more and more i'm finding connections between the two it seems like the skulls that we've been finding are the descendants of whoever the ancient megalithic builders uh, were, this very mysterious people with amazing abilities to work stone. Register today and join us on this visual journey to the world's ancient sacred sites with Brian Forster. I now leave you with music from the universe, music created literally by the universe as computer music researcher Phil Windsor assigned musical notes to mathematical equations and the result is this beautiful music. Available at AcousticHealth.com Namaste.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.